Welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Podcast. On this episode, which was originally intended to be a mini update episode, Chef Jordan Anthony Brown, who's getting ready to open the Aperture, he comes back on the podcast and we talk about the progress and kind of where he's at in the process as they get closer to opening. Looking at kind of like a October opening. Originally, I think it was slated for late summer and they're just kind of, you know, stuff takes a little bit longer and just to get ready and everything. So, so he wanted to come back on and kind of update everyone on the process. If you didn't check out Jordan's first episode, it's episode number 36. He was on a, a long time ago when he first started kind of getting rolling with this project. He did a guest chef dinner at that time a couple months before over at Chapman's Eat Market with BJ Lieberman, who he used to work with, and they know each other and everything. So Jordan reached out, you know, always have a standing invitation for anybody to come back on the podcast. And he was like, hey, I'd like to come on and, you know, kind of update everybody. So Normally, mini episodes are like 20, 30 minutes. This essentially turned into a full-fledged uh, episode. It's like an hour long. Jordan really gets in the weeds, kind of gets all nerdy about just kind of the process and his mindset and just where he's at, you know, thinking about different aspects of the restaurant. And we cover, you know, the menu, kind of what he's looking at doing with that construction process, just kind of the stress of opening a restaurant too as well, you know, how that kind of all falls on you when it's your restaurant and you're trying to make decisions. And anytime you can have somebody that takes a decision possibly off your plate is become this welcome addition where you think it would be the inverse and you would want everything to come through you. But it just kind of gets to the point where it's like your list is so long. You're like, somebody just take this off. So it's like gone. It's really informative. And, you know, it's kind of like a behind the scenes of opening a restaurant. And it's one of the most anticipated restaurants in Cincinnati. I think it's The Aperture and Wild Weed by David and Lydia Jackman getting ready to open too as well. I think they kind of both have almost like the same timeline, I feel like now. But those are like two of the most anticipated restaurants in Cincinnati. So really looking forward to both of them opening. But Jordan's food's awesome. And I'm really excited to see what he does with the menu and kind of what all comes out of what he's thinking too as well. And they're going to do some wine stuff uh, from some local, you know, kind of distributors. I think Parcel uh, and Chris are going to be involved with some of the wine that they have there on, on site and everything. But that'll be a lot to do with kind of the beverage director that winds up, you know, coming on board and what local beers that they're going to want to choose uh, that kind of pair well with the food and everything like that too. So it's a pretty unique time in kind of his process where they're just getting started to ramp up with kind of senior level staff and everything. But they're going to put out a link uh, through Instagram. So if you're interested in applying for open roles and everything like that, you'll be able to go through the Aperture's Instagram handle, take you right to their kind of website and, and going through the forms and everything. So you can follow Jordan on Instagram, J. Anthony Brown. Also follow the restaurant. It's the Aperture Cincy but it's C-I-N-C-I. I always spell Cincy when I abbreviate it with a Y. That might actually be the incorrect way. I feel like everybody who's from Cincinnati uses C-I-N-C-I, and then all of us outsiders use the Y. That's where you can follow him on Instagram. You can follow us too as well, at Spoon Mob. Check out our website, spoonmob.com. Links to all the episodes with all the guests, past, current, all that stuff. It's broken up in categories kind of depending on what their primary skill set um, is. You know, we have sommeliers, but some of them are beverage directors, some are wine directors, some are GMs. We have a section that's insiders, people that are in the hospitality industry, but in a different way. Chocolatiers are in there, cheesemongers, fish purveyors, beer, brewmasters, all that stuff is kind of falls in that category. And then we have the chefs and bakers in the other category too as well. So um, you can click on any of those individual pages. Um, they're ordered from... Most recent release to kind of the oldest. There's food photos, contact information, different links to you know their individual episode. All that stuff is there. You can find it. There's also a contact portal on the main page there that you can click on. You can send in questions, comments, feedback. Uh, if there's a question you ever wanted to ask a sommelier or a chef or someone, send that in. We'll incorporate it in an upcoming episode, whichever kind of fits best. And then we'll hit you back, let you know who the guest was what episode that is so you can kind of keep an eye out for it and be part of the podcast. Make sure to follow the podcast on whatever preferred app that you use, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. Those are kind of the big four. And then there's a bunch of other little ones, Podcast Republic, Pocket Casts, Spreaker, Deezer's another one, uh, iHeartRadio. Uh, we're on there too as well. So if there's a platform that you use that you can't find us on for some reason, just shoot us an email or through the contact portal, our email spoonmob at yahoo.com. We'll take a look, make sure that we're on there and it's updating correctly, but everything should be good to go. I check that stuff periodically just in case there's any glitches. 
You can also follow us on our YouTube channel. Put all the episodes up there just a week after they hit all the podcast apps. So if YouTube's your preferred player, you can find us there too as well. Every episode is up there. We're on the other social medias, but mainly just use Instagram. Uh, we don't really do much with anything else anymore just because Twitter is, is not a fun place. Uh, Reddit is having a bunch of issues. TikTok, I just don't want to do video content. <laughs> like, I'll just be honest. So, But yeah, you can find us mainly on the Instagram and then uh, check out the website and just subscribe to the podcast. It's kind of the three things that uh, you can find us that we're most active. Without any further delays... Here is an update on the Aperture with Chef Jordan Anthony Brown, who's down in Cincinnati, Ohio. Well, since you were last on the podcast, uh, like you said, I think October 2021, you did a bunch of pop-ups at Bar Seso in Cincinnati, um, which I'm assuming was kind of some menu development and also just trying to stay busy too as well. But you've also been working, obviously, on getting the Aperture ready to open, so that should be opening, I think, this summer, this fall. So how's that process been going? Where are you at with it? You know, we spoke last time, uh, like I said, 2021. You know, after a while of telling people soon, 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 I mean, I just, after a while, I just kind of shut up and just like, I'll let you know when it actually happens. Uh, it was kicking the can down the road and not in the best way. So yeah, in October 2021, you know, I was uh, working at, uh, spending some time at Baker's Stable in Newport and then... Um, Kind of after leaving that, really started to dig back in on the process for the Aperture, um, which, you know, uh, post-pandemic, uh, it, it just wasn't as easy to pick up the pieces as I thought. And a lot of things changed. We kind of were playing whack-a-mole with essentially the the project cost and then the budget. Um, something would go up and then we would have to, you know, tack on some more money and then take something off. And that process was pretty, uh, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't frustrating and just kind of uh, trying just, you know, things moving slower than he wanted to. And, you know, at, at that time, the pandemic was still, you know, wasn't, wasn't where we are now. Let's put it that way. You know, I think it's still relatively fresh in people's minds. So there was some trepidation. I mean, we, I did a pop-up, you know, in February, um, I think of 2022, I had Barca, so just kind of Valentine's day thing. And that snowballed into uh, almost kind of like a residency thing. Uh, they have a adjacent property, the carriage house, which has, Know, kitchen, kind of a big island, just kind of set up shop there for uh, most of the spring and summer. And that kind of became, I guess, home base for the time being for, you know, trying out different things. Up until that point, you know, I hadn't really been doing a lot of cooking that I thought was was closer to the aperture. Obviously, you need a little bit more space and time and tools. Um, so that was a fun opportunity. Um, brought in some people, did some, you know, different things and uh, mostly on Sundays, but different wine events. I mean, at the same time, you know, we would do those basically the week would look like you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, do kind of some menu planning, but also working on stuff for the Aperture, you know, meetings and then trying to do as much as I could and then kind of get ready for the weekend. And so we had this space where it was the, you know, kitchen, but also kind of like a war room office. And, you know, we enjoyed the time that we had there. Uh, me and um, a guy named Seth Rigel, who's uh, going to be part of the team at the Aperture, you know, primarily running the show. But uh, eventually I realized, you know, it was as, as good as the carriage house was and as good as it felt to, to be cooking and, and getting some plates out there, um, especially in that setting, I needed to dedicate more time to the Aperture. I mean, I basically was falling behind. There basically just wasn't enough time to do it. And so that was kind of a learning experience of, of what it really takes to dig in and go full time on something. And obviously... Now that we're here, you know, once I did that, it did go quickly. So we were in the carriage house, I think, up until July or so of 2022 and June, July, August. And then uh, those last four months of the year were pretty much, you know, full steam ahead on making sure that we could close all of our deals and actually start building the restaurant, which, uh, you know, eventually we did reach that goal. Yeah. Having to do this cost allocation on the fly where this costs more money than you thought. So now you got to reallocate. How much of that could you trace back to just inflation, the pandemic, supply chain issues? Is this just kind of the way opening a restaurant just sometimes goes? I would say it's a little bit of both. I mean, I you know, I, this is the first time I've built a full-scale restaurant, so I don't have a long table of comparison. But uh, yeah, I mean, cost of materials, you know, for the building. I mean, our contractor was just, you know, honest with us about, you know, metal, wood, whatever it is going up in price. Equipment, you know, things increasing, um, just pure markup. I, th I think that inflation was a big part of it. You know, our project cost, I think, ended up from where we were basically March 2020 when the pandemic hit and getting ready to kind of start moving on, on construction to when we actually closed the deal. I think the project had gone up total about 100, I think $120,000. 
which I, I, I have it written down somewhere. I, I, it's something I, as you can imagine, I don't like to look at very much. Um, it, it, it's like a, a bad dream. We, the way we structure our deal, we, we piece together um, a large chunk of, of, of debt from an SBA loan. And fortunately, that had held pretty steady because we'd already signed on for it. So the terms that we had you know, pre-pandemic were relatively similar to what we ended up having when we closed the deal. And they were able to, to increase the loan a little bit. Some tenant improvement money from our, our, our landlord model group, um, they chipped in a little bit more. And then the biggest thing was our capital raise uh, for investor money. We um, ended up raising about $450,000. But the, the challenge of that was basically the pool of investors we had, you know, in 2020 was, you know, some of them dropped off, some of them, you know, so we basically had to kind of change up the whole mix and, and really revisit a lot of the, uh, the legal and financial structure. So yeah, the cost going up was a challenge. And then in order to kind of offset that, you know, you, you can do it in two ways. You can grab more money or you can, you know, find ways to decrease costs. So, you know, we made some cuts to certain things, relatively significant, but overall really positive design change. And so it's kind of just like a seesaw of like, how can we get to, to everything in the middle so that you know, everybody feels comfortable enough to really sign off on everything. And, uh, you know, a lot of people had their hands in this, you know, there are a lot of parties, especially kind of our architectures and our contractors. And of course, model group that, that really held steady through the pandemic. Um, you know, I can't necessarily say that would have been the case, you know, in all scenarios, but uh, everybody, the, you know, everybody was very relieved and we finally got to the finish line, which was basically right around uh, right before Christmas of last year. So where's construction at now? Is it done? Almost done? Construction is, uh, we're kind of, Percentage-wise, if I had to say, we're probably coming up on the, the approaching the final third. Does that make sense? The the build out of the the aperture is, is uh, you know, again with lack of comparison, pretty aggressive and and complicated for the fact, but mainly the fact is it's an old building. So we had a fair amount of mechanical challenges, a lot of which due to the fact that uh, we're putting in a, a basically a five foot wood fired hearth. And in order to accommodate that, you have to have the proper exhaust. And, you know, there were certain places where we could put the exhaust chase and, and lining and, and certain places we couldn't. So that that was actually, you know, relatively big challenge. And we had to make some adjustments and, and we kind of overcame that hurdle. But then there's been a few things here and there. Long story short, coming up on the end of kind of the mechanical uh, and electrical and like plumbing. So everything behind the walls pretty soon here. We actually had our hoods delivered the other week, uh, right before, right around July 4th. And I think they're going in next week. They're just sitting on, you know, in the restaurant, which is, you know, I, most people, you know, restaurants having the hoods go in is a pretty uh, big milestone. And once we can kind of clear those challenges, we're moving more into the kind of aesthetic, you know, drywall, paint, starting to order furniture. Um, the restaurant's a little bit, not strange, but there's essentially very few walls just because of the way it's structured. I mean, the exterior is almost all windows, which is, you know, from like a drywall and paint standpoint, it's, it's pretty good. You don't really have to do much and we're putting up shades, but uh, we're pretty close to approaching that, you know, not necessarily say easier, but a little more self-explanatory where it's, you know, drywall, paint this. And then, you know, of course, the other thing is getting our equipment in, which will be, um, uh, from what I understand, pretty challenging because it's one big piece um, that comes, uh, our line uh, from Heston that comes as one piece. Um, some of the stuff is funny. You know, I, they were putting our makeup air unit on the roof the other day, and I was kind of watching. It's like you kind of want to watch, but don't want to watch. It's just, you know, obviously, you know, our team's great and they know what they're doing, but you just, you know, your mind, you know, is in your worst case scenario type thing. And so you want to, it's like, you know, there, our hoods are going in. I think they're going to start putting them up, uh, you know, next week. And you know, part of me wants to go see how they do it. Part of me is just stop, stop by when they're done. But uh, yeah, the hoods going in is, is going to be, you know, a, a fairly big milestone. I mean, I think the restaurant has a lot of, kind of mechanical different stuff on the floor right now that's being put up. And I think once a lot of that stuff is in place, it'll start to really look getting to beyond just the bones of it, but more kind of the meat coming on too. What was the building before? Because it's on the corner. So was it a bank or like a jewelry store or something? Like it's, it has that vibe. Yeah, it has a very long history. It's our deco building, uh, Paramount Square. I probably, you know, for, for purposes like this, should know the history of it a little bit better, but uh, I, I know it's been everything, anything from, I think, a, a, a theater, pawn shop, um, jewelry store. I think it might have been a pharmacy at one point. Um, you know, it has a long history. And it's, it's a crazy building. And there's residential above us. Um, and then we are neighbors next door, Esoteric Brewing. And so it's definitely a building that to retrofit a pretty modern restaurant into was, was you know, had some challenges. But I, we have a great team. I mean, honestly, I've, I've really enjoyed working with architects and, and contractors and uh you know, especially me being essentially kind of a one 
one person team, you know, for the most part, in terms of actually executing kind of decisions, you know, you almost sometimes want your architects or your contractors to tell you what's best. You know, you're kind of just like, I don't feel like making a decision as long as it's not going to impact anything serious. And then they've been great about that. Just taking a few things off my plate when, you know, low stakes things where it's just like, I don't, makes me realize I could never be a contractor. Some of the stuff these guys have had to do, I'm just like, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. The construction point, has that been pretty much on schedule in terms of doing all the perfect, like no real delays where all the delays were kind of upfront with really getting started and giving all the paperwork together? We've definitely had some delays. I mean, I think uh, when it's all said and done from the original projected amount of time, I think we'll probably tap on, I'd say four to six weeks, which that's my estimate. And obviously we're still not done, but by and large, that's, you know, I put up the sign and just said summer 2021. And, uh, you know, technically summer ends September 21st. So when we're all done and we're not going to be far off, but you go in expecting delays. It just you know, depends on where they come from. Um, so far, a lot of them have been solvable problems and within our control for the most part. There hasn't been anything catastrophic where we had to, you know, scrap something entirely or change anything significant. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have uh, it, a lot of it is just based on the where the kitchen, there's basically one place we could have put the kitchen and we could have put it other places in the restaurant, but it would have been more complicated to structure kind of the mechanical exhaust part. I'm sure everybody listening to this is like, yeah, this is super interesting. I really want to hear about this. It's all working out fine now. I mean, I think everybody is starting to feel breathe easy and um, every box is getting checked, you know, no corners really being cut. And uh, we're excited to kind of see the visuals of it soon. You know, it's hard for me to explain it to people just because it's still just kind of a box of metal and wood. but. I think that'll come along pretty quickly in the next kind of couple months here. So do you have a set opening date or not one that you're willing to put out there yet? I guess for the purposes of, of keeping, you know, I, right now our contractor, you know, we, we met the other day and then they're really pushing hard to have the space wrapped up pretty much right around October 1st. Some of that, actually, it's actually at the point where some of that's on me where I need to, you know, start moving on furniture and fixtures. And I actually did a lot of that this week. So that's, I guess it's good and bad that's within my control. So, you know, if there's more delays, it's kind of on me. And if we, you know, if we are able to circle kind of like around October 1st in that range, you know, plus a week or so, we'll, we'll probably be opening, I'd say, mid to late October, which ironically, when I first started doing this, you know, fall is my favorite month uh, or fall is my favorite time of the year. So that's originally when I wanted to open. Um, obviously, this is three years later, but uh, I think it's a good time of year to open for us. You know, cooking wise, you know, fall's great. Um, a lot of, you know, you still get good produce. And especially if it's been a hot summer, which it looks like it might be trending that way, you get some residual, you know, summer produce, um, tomatoes and whatnot. Um, but also just kind of the energy, you know, especially in a place like Cincinnati where it is, you know, family oriented in a lot of cases. Kids are back in school, people are kind of back on schedule. Summer's a little, you know, as far as I can go, I can tell touch and go here just because vacations, you know, for the past like, I, you know, three, four weeks, you know, every, Every other day, I get an out of office from somebody, which is, you know, it's just that's just what this time of year is. And then, I, you know, I think one of the, the gifts and curses of, of potentially opening in that, that October period is like, you know, we, we open, the weather's great. Um, you know, I think everybody has a sense of kind of relaxation, but then the energy for the holidays builds uh, pretty quickly. So we're going to, uh, you know, from an operational standpoint, probably going to have to get our feet on first really quickly um, if we're going to, you know, be able to accommodate the holiday season and, uh, Potentially, you know, ride some momentum into to January, February, typically the, the slow months. But uh, yeah, I think I'm actually happy with when we're going to open, how we got there. You know, that's a different story. But uh, I, I, October, I'm, I'm pretty, we're going to make October happen. Mostly going to be using local farms, purveyors, or what's that kind of mix look like? As much as possible. I mean, we've, you know, one of the, the weird parts about this process is because it's taken so long, I've had probably more time than I needed or wanted to to kind of build things out so i've listened and have made a lot of connections with a lot of people we, we're definitely going to be produce wise as local as possible um you know and especially on um, proteins as well um there's a lot of great people we're talking to especially some of the people down at finley market who you know sell the produce themselves and the meat but also have connections to others the one challenge i think we'll run into and obviously because we're in ohio is we do want to pretty seafood heavy um in comparison to a lot of what you see uh, kind of in midwestern markets uh, you know, a lot of people say it's, it's, you know, it's hard. You can't do it. I, I mean, it's fine. It's, you can do it. I mean, it's logistically, it's, it's, you know, there's more remote places that get, you know, seafood than, than Ohio. Um, we're not that far, you know, from the coasts, obviously, you know, local, you can get some stuff local. I know there's some trout farms and there, you know, obviously these things coming out of, uh, you know, up North. Um, but you know, we're definitely going to have to 
find uh, our sources for seafood, shellfish, things like that. Um, and that's just, you know, what comes with the territory. And a lot of it is, is based on the influence. You know, we're really uh, going to go pretty heavily on the Mediterranean region in terms of our cooking. I'd say that'll probably account for 80 to 85 percent of kind of the way we do food, you know, give or take. And because of that, obviously, it's a region, you know, you're, you're on the coast, you're in one of the, the most vibrant kind of coastal regions in the world. And in order to reflect that, we want to, you know, make sure we're representing that properly with seafood and, and things that come out of the water. Menu structure, is it going to be tasty menu, a la carte, mix of both, prefix? A la carte, um, you know, really. So the idea of the restaurant is based around the concept of, at a high level, meze, which is, you know, a common type of, you know, way to eat, you know, grease and kind of in the Levantine region, parts of the world that have, you know, essentially what they, it's a communal kind of quote unquote drinking food, you know, whether it's like Anapasti and Trattorias in Italy, you know, Buzerias in, in Greece, um, you know, over in Thailand with the Cap Clem is, the, is what they call it, Izakai is in Japan. And that's kind of what we want to reflect um, is a lot of the food that really is meant to be kind of served at will and shared at ease. And so, you know, the, there's you can find a thousand memes and jokes about, you know, shared plates, but uh, that's the direction we're, we, we're going to trend toward. And um, there's some wrinkles. I think eventually we'll introduce kind of something where it's, you know, you just let the kitchen cook for you, which is, you know, more, not necessarily a tasty menu, but kind of a family style feast. Um, but by and large, I think the biggest thing with the menu is that we, we want it to flow in a balanced way. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, if you look at menus from restaurants probably 30 years ago, by and large, it was, you know, app, entree, dessert, you know, kind of that more traditional style, um, you know, whether or it's tasting menu extrapolated to, to more courses. And then obviously over time, you know, more avant-garde restaurants brought in the, you know, shared plates and just kind of a menu of, you know, a, a kind of mix of dishes. And I actually love that. I think, you know, as we talked, I think we talked before, you know, Rose's Luxury in DC, where I really cut my teeth. That's, you know, how the menu is structured. And I think there's a lot that comes with that and a lot of the freedom. But for us, if we're going to kind of stick to the idea of, of some of, you know, meze and some of those different um, ideas, um, it really is many that that's supposed to go light to heavy. So you start with kind of maybe bread and some light vegetables, pickles, things like that. And then you kind of flow toward things that are progressively, you know, when I say heavy, I don't necessarily mean kind of oversatiating, but just, you know, your, your proteins are at the end, maybe we have some grains kind of in the second um, half of the menu. And, uh, our big thing is balance and focus, um, really having the menu be something where, you know, if you came in with, you know, maybe a group of four or five people and ordered the whole menu, you could get through it and feel, you know, full, but not, you know, like you're walking out of the restaurant, feeling like you just ate way too much for comfort. That's definitely going to be a challenge for the kitchen. Um, a lot of that comes with uh, kind of being restrained, you know, restrained with kind of the way we approach cooking. You know, sometimes you, you may look at a dish and say, this is awesome. I love it. But where does it fit on the menu? Is it too heavy? Is this the right time of year for it? And there is a point of scrutinizing that stuff where you go too far, um, you know, and you're, you are doing a dish for, for six weeks um, just to see, you know, the produce want to go out of season. But, uh, you know, a lot of that will be a focus of, you know, for me at the top and disseminated throughout the restaurant about how we look at the food and how we serve it. So once kind of the restaurant finds its groove, changing the menu going to just kind of rotate dishes in and out kind of depending on ingredients and seasonality or do a complete overhaul like four times a year? It'll, it'll be the more the former. An overhaul, but an annual overhaul is pretty, that's pretty hard. It's also pretty jarring for um, not just guests, but, you know, your staff. You know, it's like, okay, four times a year, you pretty much have to scrap the entire menu. doesn't really work from an inventory standpoint either um, unless you're, you're really, really dialed in on it. Part of the, the value of the menu for us and, and the way I'd like to, to utilize it internally is to have that flexibility, you know, where we can add on a dish and say, you know, say a farmer comes to us and says, hey, I have these great, you know, perfect cherry tomatoes, but I only have them for six weeks. It's like, all right, let's quickly find something that this can apply to, um, that we can take advantage of this and really show the product off. And part of that, again, is that back to that restraint where it's like, hey, we got to do this quickly. Let's let the product shine. Um, and sometimes, you know, that may involve you know, pushing a dish off the menu that, you know, may not have been in that long, or in, in a lot of cases, what I'd like to do is utilize specials, um, you know, enabled in order to bring things to guests that um, might be a little new and unfamiliar or interesting, but in a kind of controlled context. Um, and some of that also has to do with price point too. You know, if you, for example, I love caviar, but the caviar in a normal menu is kind of a, you know, it's a sticker shop type thing and really not necessarily the, the vibe that we're going for. Um, and so, yeah, I think we really want to be 
basically enable ourselves to be flexible, um, easier said than done. That'll come with time. Um, I think a big thing we want to do uh, as soon as we're able to is start to build a larder. So pickles, maybe fer- ferments and things, different spices, dried items, so that we have all these tools at our disposal to enhance or create a dish, um, you know, without having to buy new product or bring that in and, you know, vinegars, whatever it is. Um, and that's also, uh, if you were able to do it correctly and, and it can be a, a vehicle toward using waste, you know, whether it's like fruit scrap that you turn into vinegar or something that you dehydrate to turn into a powder. And so that'll hopefully go a long way toward, you know, utilizing as much product as possible and eliminating the waste in the restaurant. And again, that flexibility, I think that applies to, you know, the wine program too and the beverage program. Sometimes the way I describe the restaurant feels kind of a wine bar on steroids. We really want to be, you know, pair with wine a lot. There's some, I mean, really fantastic natural wine coming into Cincinnati um, and the state in general. I mean, I'm up in Columbus, you know, I, I know there's a lot of places going up there. Voyager, we just had Natty Wine Fest here uh, a few days. You know, I think it was five, 600 people there, a lot of, a lot of wine being poured. And so we really want to show that off and enable that to, to be a place where the wine is paired with food um, and have the beverage program be flexible as well. Kind of the same in the same vein, you know, if, if Randy from Winecraft or Chris from Parcel comes and says, hey, I have like three cases of this, this crazy stuff, but it's all I got. It's like, let's, let's put it on the menu. Let's, let's not deprive our guests of the experience, you know, because of our inflexibility. And obviously the other part is, is don't deprive our staff of the ability to taste the product, to, to utilize it, to sell it, to learn about it. And I think keeping those things in mind too. Um, and, and a lot of times that flexibility, in my opinion, is, is just as if not more important for the staff as it is for the guests. You know, if you're, serving the same food for, you know, six months out of the year and, you know, nothing changes on your station or you're pouring the same wine, then um, that really limits and hinders development. So a lot of that is keeping things simple. You know, I, you know, our menu at any given time, I'd say we'll have no more than 15 dishes on it, you know, maybe even smaller than that. And that's, you know, in order to, to you know, coming up with 15 good dishes is hard. <laughs> you know, people, some of see menus with like 40 dishes on it. And it's just like, there's, you know, some of those are just going to be a little bit lacking and that's nobody's fault. It's just that I, I think people would be surprised that, you go to a restaurant sometimes, you know, some of my favorites and you have like 12 dishes and every single one was incredible. That's hard. That's way harder than people think it is, um, especially to make them taste nuanced and different um, and balanced and kind of play off of each other. So, yeah, I think that that balance and flexibility is going to be a huge part of the food, the service, the, you know, the beverage program. We just have access to so much stuff. And I just, you know, if we can enhance our ability to access it and not deprive our, you know, ourselves of, of being able to utilize it and show it off, then that's, that's a pretty significant goal of ours internally. I'm assuming dinner only to start lunch, brunch. Yes, no, depends on what the market dictates. The beginning, the plan is to be Tuesday through Saturday, dinner only, um, five to 10. Walnut Hills, and as it is now, especially with, you know, all the things happening with uh, commercial real estate and offices, lunches is just a little bit challenging. I, you know, Maybe down the road, but that would really, really, really be dependent on, you know, just general traffic and what's going on in the neighborhood. Um, I do think there's an opportunity for us to integrate brunch and I'm not alienating people that may want to apply for the, to work at the restaurant. They hear the word brunch and like, nope, I'm out. But, you know, I think so the, one of the first things when the pandemic hit and restaurants, you know, obviously eventually they had to go much further than this and go to, you know, pure takeout or delivery. But one of the first services to cut was brunch. I mean, I think, you know, if you're going to, eliminate something, you know, that is touch and go in your revenue stream and your staff, it's going to be, you know, brunch or lunch. And I think a lot of places just never really brought it back, you know, maybe realized it wasn't worth it. And so I do think there's an opportunity for us to, to get in the brunch game. If we did, it would probably be Sunday only, um, just because I think flipping services is really challenging. Um, if you're able to do kind of Sunday brunch and then you know, everybody knock it out and go home and, and, and have the rest of the day off or in Monday too, I think that's from an operational standpoint. A little more executable and i think you know the opportunity to do brunch in a different way obviously for like mediterranean so um you know wouldn't necessarily be a lot of the the things you'd see on the traditional brunch menu but you know i look at the end of the day like you know everybody in the industry it's not you know running joke the brunch is terrible but at the end of the day brunch is also fun um people really enjoy it and i think it would be an opportunity for us to um showcase uh, basically a different type of experience in a brunch setting um that, that may not be you know you, you may not see at your, your more traditional restaurants that have um, you know, just more simple brunch menus, but far easier said than done. The other thing too, with the concept is that if you were to kind of look at it within my notes and even perhaps listen to, you know, the earlier episode of Spoon Mob and other things I may have, you know, done in the media. Um, when I first conceived the restaurant, I think it was, it was definitely going to be more kind of like rustic and just quick. You know, I was 
coming off an environment where it's high volume, like quick plates, but still well executed food. And so that was kind of what was, um, you know, from a recency bias and proximity standpoint in my head. And then I think over time I trended toward more toward the fine dining side in terms of like the, the structure and, and, and what it was going to look like. I can give you a thousand ways that this happened, but, um, I do think now we're going to go back toward, it's going to be definitely kind of in that like casual, like upscale casual range. A large reason being we really need the, the restaurant and want the restaurant to be a place that isn't living and dying on Fridays and Saturdays. Um, you know, if we can make this a place, you know, if you look at, at, at the building right now in Walnut Hills, there's two, you know, huge apartment buildings going up right behind us, a new one down the street. There's, I think, another couple. The, the neighborhood's really, you know, exploding and not just in a commercial way. You know, I think there, there, there's really some dedication toward the residential aspect of it. We have the responsibility in that case to make it a place where people feel comfortable coming on a Tuesday or Wednesday for a glass of wine and a plate or, you know, come and crack their laptop at the bar and get a little work done. You know, we have residents above us, behind us, and we really want to make that uh, something that's accessible, not just, uh, you know, coming in on Friday and Saturdays for the whole menu. And that's how you build a regular crowd. And that's how we really get to the heart of hospitality, where we build a crew of regulars that love coming in there. We know their name. We know the the last glass of wine they had, what they prefer, you know, their allergies, you know, things like that. And um, so the heart of the restaurant, you know, from a concept standpoint, it really is about that that aspect of hospitality and community and wanting to build something that I think may have been lost a little bit through the pandemic and, and tangential kind of things going on around that and derivative of that. Uh, and I think part of that is making sure that, you know, we, we don't feel like we're, I guess, not too exclusive, but something where it's, it's, you know, special occasion only. I think there's a time and a place for restaurants like that, but we really want to be accessible and, and above, above all, just, you know, fun and comfortable. How's the staffing process been? Great question. It's it's <laughs> the challenge of that is kind of as I think alluded to earlier. I've done so many like you know we're gonna open then and 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 it's you know you have to kind of be respectful of people's you know interest and time and patience and so I've been a little bit intentionally tight lipped about it. Not for any negative reasons. If anything, I, I you know the worst thing you can do is overpromise and underdeliver. And so I think only now, just recently, and then probably coming in the next week or so, we'll have. A pretty realistic picture, you know, now that a lot of the mechanical stuff, like I said, with the restaurant is is starting to come to the finish line um, of the timeline. And with that in mind, I can now start, you know, looking to, to build out a team. And um, pretty soon here we'll be, you know, I think probably by the time uh, this comes out, uh, hopefully if I've done my job correctly, we'll have kind of started to gather resumes for management positions um, within the restaurant to see, you know, if people are interested um, one unique thing I want to do with that is, is you know, I'm not going to go out there and say we're looking for a GM, we're looking for a sous chef, we're looking for, you know, et cetera. It's more just see people's interests, their their experiences, the scope of their kind of the competencies, what they've done in the past, what they like to do, what they don't like to do, and kind of go from there. At the end of the day, titles, for the most part, you know, you can make up anyone you want and, and create the hierarchy, but a lot of it is really finding a, a team of people that are looking to, you know, not redefine, but kind of reset some expectations with like what hospitality can be. That, I say that not with respect just to guests, but also internally. Um, I'm, we're doing a lot of things um, to build and start defining our internal culture because it has to start there. If your staff and your employees don't feel comfortable and, and taken care of and like they're working in a place that that gives them the mutual respect that that they're applying as well, then you know, that goes a long way toward making sure that, you know, what goes, the product that goes out to guests, whether it's service, wine, cocktails, you know, of course, food is, uh, you know, in line with that. You know, you can feel that kind of stuff. You know, you, you, I've worked in restaurants where the staff's not that happy and you, you feel it. And I've worked in restaurants where the staff is, you know, loves being there and loves working with each other and is and everybody's on the same page. And that, that can be pretty infectious and really kind of uh, raises the level of what you're able to achieve. But again, staffing, we really want to, you know, find people that uh, are excited to, to work in hospitality and look at this, hopefully it's more of a career, which again, part of that is, is internals, you know, in terms of, you know, our health insurance we're providing and making sure this is a sustainable living, not just kind of something you're passing through. Um, that's not necessarily giving you what you need throughout this process. You know, obviously I've had, you know, lawyers, you know, financial, all kind of the professional aspect of things, but by and large is like a little, you know, a lot of unilateral decision-making and it's, kind of coming up to the point where there's a lot of decisions that need to be made soon that really shouldn't be made by me, like bar cocktail glasses, like barware, like I'm not going to be using that. So and I'm not going to, you know, order some stuff that whoever is our, you know, leading our bar is, is not into. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's making all these decisions 
in isolation for, you know, the better part of four years is, is kind of getting old. Sometimes, you know, you just want to relinquish control. And I know that sounds weird. A lot of people think it would be the opposite. But uh, when you've been doing it that long, you're kind of just, you want other people to join the team. With all that, how have you been dealing with the overall process from just a stress, anxiety, like, have you lost like 30 pounds? Like, where, where are you at? Like, how do you stay balanced going through all this? Because this isn't, it isn't a process that's done overnight. There's a lot of steps. There's a lot of waiting for somebody else to do the thing that they need to do, whether it's the contractor, the lawyer, a lot is in your control, but there are major aspects that aren't. So how do you kind of keep yourself from just spinning off the face of the earth like and losing your mind? Well, I, I think one thing, I, this, I know this sounds strange, is because of the stops and starts of the process, I've almost had like practice having to manage that. You know what I mean? Like by the time this actually really got going, which is, again, essentially wasn't until December of last year, I'd kind of been doing that, you know, pendulum for a while. Um, it really has been a process of like learning to accept what you can and, and, you know, what's within your control. And I'm a big, I love checking these things off lists. And so I get, you know, I would get stressed out if like, I just couldn't do it because it was on somebody else. You know, I needed something from this person and these people didn't coordinate. Um, but it's also one of those where, you know, the job's never done. And it's kind of like, but the, taking this on in and of itself basically assures that my to-do list will never be done. It's just not never going to happen. Um, and I think working to accept that and, you know, accept what I can control and also stay organized has been important. A lot of it is, is, eliminating distractions. Um, and then, you know, I, the phrase I've used before, and I'm sure people have heard is focus is what you don't do. So, you know, it, it's, it hasn't exactly been fun sometimes, but it's just like, you know, I don't, you know, I've eliminated a lot of things and kind of, you know, decided to allocate a lot of my time if I can toward not just um, working on the restaurant, but those other pieces that are hopefully going to make me um, a better leader, better manager, better owner, better chef, you know, you know, whether it's just literally just like, taking some time in the morning to read before getting to work. Um, honestly, a big thing is I have my son's about to be three years old. And so that provides balance in the sense where when he's around, that's, you know, it's, it's, him, it's all about him. And I mean, I love it. It's, it's the best thing ever, but it's, it's, um, it, it's the perspective. And I know that sounds a little cheesy, but you know, it, it, it I, I, the view of this process and, and the work um, has tangibly, I think, frankly changed for me um, in light of having him in my life. And you know, I, not sure I can particularly, you know, or properly articulate what that really means or how it's, you know, manifested, but um, it really does make you realize, you know, a lot of this is is beyond just me. And this is, you know, hopefully something that's going to be something that is part of his life. Although I never wanted to be in the kitchen. We've already talked about that. He has a little play kitchen. It's actually right in front of me. He's always playing on it. And, you know, we, we try to go to the restaurant every now and then and take uh, you know, family pictures. Although last time we went, it was not a good place for a two and a half year old to be in. We're like, exposed nails and somewhere like we got to We take the picture and we got to get out of here. But yeah. I think that's a lot of it too. I mean, and, and you just try not to make problems where they don't actually exist. And that's that. I know that sounds weird, but it's, you know, it, it, I, as a, you know, I, I work with the leadership coach um, time to time and it's, it's plans are just your imagination is what he says, which I mean, if, if the past three, four years um, has proven anything else is that, because this is not how the plan was supposed to go. And so it's just kind of that levity really having that in place. I mean, it, it really setting the tone obviously for me is, is, is the number one thing. Um, and, and, and frankly that starts and has started already, not just, you know, when the doors open. So even just on this podcast, hopefully I sound like I know what I'm doing, but you know, we'll find out. Are you aware that the aperture is either the, or one of like the two most anticipated restaurants in Cincinnati? Like the other one's probably wild weed from Lydia and David Jackman. Like, Anytime you see any like local, like Cincinnati kind of press thing that touches on restaurants, the aperture is just kind of woven in there real quick. And it'll be like this whole, the whole piece about something. And it'll be like, and the aperture is supposed to open like summer of 2023. <laughs> it's just like, it's floated in there. Well, they're probably tired to writing about it. Who all the writers are probably just like, I'm not doing this again. Like I, it's, um, uh, I'm not, I'm not aware of it in a, in a you know, in a tangible or like qualitative sense, you know, I do have a lot of people, you know, Natty Wine Fest, a lot of people um, have expressed their excitement about it and really want to hear about it, um, which was a good exercise for me because for the longest time, people would ask me questions like about the food and the concept and I would just stumble over my words and eventually, you know, like people in my life, you know, like, you know, sister and, you know, my wife's over there, like, you got to get that down, man. Like, you can't, you can't, 
he can't be walking around not knowing what to say about this restaurant he's been working on for six years. Um, so that, you know, that was a big task. Um, I think, you know, I joke with people that, that, you know, there is some buzz around it. I get it. And, you know, people are just like, yeah, I'm like, I, but the, the joke is like, it's been almost six years. So if there wasn't attention around it, that'd probably be a bad sign. <laughs> like if, if people weren't writing about it, I'd be like, Oh, they just gave up on this one. But um, you try to have some humility about it and you could look at it, I think, in, in primarily one of two ways. You can look at it from the standpoint of like, you know, we're getting attention. This is awesome. People hear about us. Like we're going to, you know, we're going to do all these things. My mind is a little bit more, um, trends the other direction and just understanding um, how difficult this is really going to be. And then that uh, this is in people's minds, but more than anything, when you're in that type of position and the position that we, we have the opportunity to be in first, it's nothing more than that is an opportunity. That, that's all it is. Um, it's a chance. Um, you, there's plenty of restaurants. Um, you know, I'm sure there's been <clears throat> hundreds that have had buzz and, and yada yada, and then didn't make it for whatever reason. Um, so to sit there and, and rest on uh, essentially uh, preemptive laurels is not smart, but also there's a responsibility with that. I, I try to take that to heart. Um, whereas people are saying, you know, things that, you know, like this is going to be a big game changer for Cincinnati, or it's going to be something that's really going to, you know, really, uh, you know, establish Walnut Hills and things like that, that that's responsibility. That, that means that, you know, you've been given an opportunity to do a lot of things that can improve people's lives and in order to do that, you have to you have to do the work. You have to take your ego out of it, and you have to understand that this is um, a, a something that you know. I'm not going to say there's a mantle with it, but you know, for example, internally, uh, we really want this place. It's, it's a great place to work. That, that's, there's there's no better way to say it. I mean, what that means, obviously, I still have a lot of work to do on it, and you know, whether that's you know finalizing health insurance and things like that. But we we want it to be a great place to work and a great place to eat. We want people to feel comfortable in there, and, and we want more than anything for this place to be. Uh, basically kind of a ground for creating stories and connections and building connections in a place where people leave and feel the impact of the restaurant after they've left, you know, whether that's in a physical sense where, you know, you send them home with a card or, or something special, you know, a signed menu or a custom menu, it, whatever it is, you know, we really, we want the aperture to resonate beyond just the four walls. That sounds, I get pretty ethereal and, and, and for something as, as large as simple as a restaurant, but that's really the way I look at it is, um, I've had a lot of people, and I mean a lot, um, really support me throughout this in a lot of ways. Um, give their time, their money, their energy, their patience, their thoughts. Um, and that doesn't even count the people that are going to come in there and eat. So, you know, we, we kind of owe it to, to a lot of people to, to make this, you know, is the best version it could possibly be. And again, like a lot of that is kind of taking your ego out of it. I think, you know, I'll be 36 in a few weeks, which makes me concerned if I can actually legitimately work service anymore. Um, I barely like get up the I the steps and just carrying my son, you know, my shoulder creaks. Um, but, you know, I think this might've been a different restaurant if I opened it, you know, four or five years ago. And that's not to say it wouldn't have been good. I think I, it would have been successful, but I, and it's between, you know, all the things that have happened in the past few years, you know, changes in my life, you know, uh, changing the circumstances around me and people and, and, and things like that. I just, it's kind of, you know, you're never really ready. You're never ready to do this. It's like, kind of like having a baby. It's like, you're never really ready. But um, I think there's a, a sense of kind of purpose behind it that may not have been there before. And I, how that manifests, again, is, is up to me and how I disseminate our messages and make sure that, you know, again, internally, our staff feels great, um, you know, enough to, to work with each other to create something uh, that people can be proud of and really enjoy. What's your goal for the first year of the restaurant? Not cry. I think just really smooth, you know, get, get our feet under us. I think again, that the timing is a little bit be interesting. And if, so say we do, you know, up in mid, mid, late October, as we get, you know, October, November, a little strange with kind of opening and having to manage, um, you know, around the holidays and then, you know, the holidays in Cincinnati are huge. You know, when I was at Boca a handful of years ago, I mean, numbers they were doing on a Saturday and, and, and December were ridiculous. I think that's an opportunity to like, really, the way it's going to come out as fast, no matter what. So I think, um, so internally, I think my goal is to keep things simple. You know, let's let's start where something we can execute, you know, knowing that we might, you know, if, if all things work out well, you know, have a pretty big wave of business for those first 10 to 12 weeks. And I think a big thing in the first, I think the first three or six months is figuring out structure. Um, you know, you put things in place, but you have no idea how it's going to work out, whether that's staffing, you know, how, this, how the, the line's structured and systems. Um, and then slowly start to introduce kind of different wrinkles. You know, by the end of the first year, I really would like us to, have firmly in place kind of our private dining, you know, be prepared to do 
uh, special events, whether that's, you know, a buyout or a guest chef dinner or a wine dinner. You know, I have things written out on paper, like phases, like, you know, phase one is this, phase two is that. And, I, you know, how well that goes, that's, that's, we'll see. But um, I think making sure that certain things can be not automated, but I'm, you know, big on putting things on paper, like people, you know, what's the process for this? Well, how do I do this? Well, here's the checklist. Just follow the checklist and you should be good. And I think that solves a lot of guesswork and saves people time. Um, and so I think establishing the systems will be a big thing for that first year and changing them if necessary. Again, I've been working on my own. So if somebody's like, hey, this, especially if it's like a front of house process, which I am less involved in, um, you know, making sure that they have the, uh, they feel empowered to, to take care of that, or at least kind of come to the table and say this would be better done that way. And yeah, we're, you know, we are going to start with lower number of seats or a smaller number of seats than, you know, our full capacity. Um, and so we'll, you know, if, if things go well, fulfilling those seats and turning them over, then we'll, you know, start to build. Um, but a lot of it is building on just different wrinkles. And I think a big thing for me that first year is, one of the positions, as much as I said, I don't want, you know, shy some positions that I would like to integrate is, um, for lack of a better title, essentially like a director of hospitality. Uh, so somebody that's really involved in not just service itself, but setting up people to have a great experience, again, before they come and after they leave, um, and really finding those little wrinkles in, in you know, people's lives and people's stories that they can, you know, uh, augment and make the experience better, um, kind of like a hybrid almost, you know, like a admin and uh, you know service position, um, just somebody who's really focused on the the little things. If that makes sense, you know, not just uh, the steps of service, but that sort of thing. Um, and somebody that I think that could you know that's a that's a role that somebody could grow into. And I think the other thing too, in that in the same vein, is um, making sure that we're establishing ourselves as much as possible that people can progress um, and not get stuck in positions. You know, if somebody's really doing well, it's something we want to find ways to give them an opportunity to grow you know i think for for example brunch um you know one of the things about brunch is you know that cooks and, and servers you know that they kind of you know it's not the most loved service but you know for example that is an opportunity for say there's a you know sous chef who's you know really doing a great job and you know someone on the floor is doing a great job and it's like okay we're gonna set you guys up to brunch is yours you know menu planning the service and that's a that's an example of you know within the structure of the existing restaurant, you know, um, and the existing services saying, we're going to kind of train you guys to, to do the things. And then eventually, you know, that's a day where, you know, I step away and I say, you know, this is your, your day, your service, you know, you run it as you see fit. And, uh, you know, hope I'd like to think those things go a long way. Or, you know, I think, again, that goes back to um, finding ways to make sure that the people that come in our doors to, to work and are part of the team um, have growth opportunities um, wherever we can provide them. Um, but that's, you know, it takes a lot of work and kind of, uh, you really have to pay attention to things in order to be able to do that and then figure out where those, those things exist, those cracks where you can, um, you know, expand things for people to grow. Where can people send resumes, apply? How do they do that? Message? I'm working that out. It'll be up on Instagram, I think, next week. Um, I, I, I'm hoping maybe by the end of this Sunday. So I think by the time this, this comes out, it should be up. But essentially, we're going to have... You know, we'll put put a post on Instagram, and then also that'll kind of lead to the website. Um, and and um, really want to make that process as easy as possible. You know, no cover letter or anything like that. So yeah, there'll be we'll first set ourselves up for management. Um, you know, our, our, our managerial positions and kind of see who's interested in that, and um, kind of go from there based on you know we could receive a bunch of resumes, we could receive two, and then you know it's I'd like to learn you know find that out earlier than uh, later, and then. Again, down the road, we'll, we'll work on hourly management is a little bit different, obviously. And we, you know, they are somebody who's working somewhere else and give them proper time to get noticed and things like that and have a few conversations. The biggest thing, honestly, with the way, you know, manage more than anybody, but also hourly is, is, um, opening a restaurant is really hard. It's, it's rough. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be one of those where, you know, you can always sugarcoat it so much and just in terms of like the hours and kind of the stress and the grind and, there's maybe people out there who are really experienced and really, you know, great at the job that just don't want to go through that. And you, you know, you have to respect that. Um, and that's, that's a big thing is I want to start down this conversation sooner and later and make sure again, I'm being honest about like, I can never expect somebody to do the hours that I'm doing. That's just unrealistic. I mean, you know, I don't like on one end, you want to set the example on the other. I just have to do, do my job and, you know, I don't want to see anybody doing the hours that, that I am. Um, but on, you know, at the same time, there are going to be hard days and, and it is going to be a challenge. So, making sure that people are um, aware of that, but also finding whatever ways possible there are to not make it harder than it needs to be. Uh, again, like keeping that open menu, like good quality in line with our standards, but also just executable and 
you know, being realistic about product and prep time and the fact that there are things that are going to go wrong. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think hopefully I'm hoping by, I have like a huge calendar somewhere um, over there that's probably wildly off in terms of the dates now. But uh, I think I'm hoping by kind of mid-September, um, we have a good idea of our management team and, have, you know, early September we've made some firm offers and then kind of go from there. If not sooner, actually. Again, that, you know, my contract is for better or worse, kind of calling the game right now, whatever they say in terms of timeline is the one I'm rolling with. So No, it's exciting. I mean, I know it's something that you've been working hard on and been, like you said, for a number of years, this has been in the works. It's amazing. Like how many restaurants are opening this year and you can trace all that back to the fact that, you know, the pandemic happened and it wiped out. It did more than that, but I mean, essentially it wiped out a year, year and a half of just delays of if anybody was even thinking about opening a restaurant during that time, like it kicked everything like a year and a half to two years. That's not even attributing like the supply chain issues and, and all the other stuff that goes into it. It's just the, literally just the timeline, like bumped everything. And now there's, I mean, here in Columbus, I think there's 10 to 12 places like in the no places that are opening this year. Some have already opened like Abisher's place already opened, but BJ's place is about to open. I mean, and I think I said this before, in a certain sense, like we were lucky because when the pandemic hit, we we basically were in a position where we collectively, meaning, you know, me and, and my team, model group, you know, bank, like contractor, we were in a position where we basically had nothing to gain by powering forward through, you know, obviously we had no idea what was going to happen and nothing really to lose by stopping, basically. No one had anything like heavily invested quite yet. You know, model group, you know, obviously didn't sign the lease, but they were you know, the, their goal is to have successful businesses. So they weren't trying to, to go too far. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I can't really remember, but I think, um, I think esoteric, our neighbor, they, they were too far down the road to pull back. So I think they opened that October in 2020. I'm almost certain that's when they did. Pretty sure BJ opened Chapman's uh, pretty right in that range too. And obviously they're doing great now. But yeah. I think, you know, it, it's, you can kind of look, you know, there's a lot of different reasons things have happened, you know, um, you know, some people saw this as an opportunity to get out of the game. And I, I think, you know, like, there's some restaurants where people are just like, it's, this is, and not just restaurants, businesses in general. Now there's, you know, there's a new crop coming up. And I think a lot of people saw this as a chance to kind of take, you know, you mentioned David and Lydia, Danny comes, his spot is opening soon. Um, you know, it, it, um, pretty soon and next, you know, prob- probably, uh, I mean, definitely before me, I think. And then, you know, you know, the stuff, uh, Bees Barbecue, they're on the second location. Uh, you know, they're a great spot. I mean, that's, you know, some fantastic barbecue in Madisonville, and he's still in the second location. So there's some things happening here that are really exciting. You know, I think um, a lot of, you know, I could, there's a lot of ones I can't even name. I know there's some, some um, the guys from Liberties, and there's a bunch of stuff. Um, I, I don't want to name, you know, wrong places or attribute the wrong people, but I, I, I know of seven, eight new things coming down the line that, um, and I think also they're from homegrown people. You know, they're from people that are from, you know, for the most part from the area. And I think that's, there's something to be said for that. I think it's exciting. And it's creating kind of a new community of, of farmers and chefs and, and butchers and people, you know, all, you know, bartenders. You know, just a lot of great wine coming in. Um, you know, new new companies, Voyager up in Columbus, you know, the, I think about only a year, year or two old. And, you know, Chris with Parcel down here. Um, all over the place, you see some really great stuff happening. And I think, um, you know, it's a nice wave, and I think hopefully everybody uh, is able to, to do the things that they want to do, um, you know, get the opportunities that they, they wanted to have. And it, it's exciting. I mean, it's, 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 it's a nice sense of solidarity talking to other people who are, you know, going down the same road, um, you know, and also talking to people who've done it before. I mean, that's almost more important is, you know, talking to, you know, even people, you know, like, like Jose, you know, who's been doing this for a long time and just getting a few minutes to pick his brain and just understanding, you know, what it takes to, to get to that point and how they did it and how they do things. And uh, that knowledge sharing, I think is really great in Cincinnati. You know, I'm not sure you can necessarily say that for, for all places. Um, and, it, and it goes a long way toward, uh, you know, kind of the community aspect of the city, um, even as it grows, you know, leaps and bounds compared to what it looked like when I was, you know, in high school. We're looking forward to it opening and, and definitely be making the drive down to try it. We're always happy to see people, finally get to that point where you know they're just doing their own thing and they're putting their own spin on it and that's it's more of it's coming in columbus but like that's the cool thing about detroit people dump all over detroit and like financially yeah the city like okay but like every restaurant in that city is basically independently owned like there's really no chain restaurants like there. like yes there are but they're on the back burner it's pretty like amazing when you go up there and it's just like every place that you go to is going to be an independently owned thing like there's no 
duplicates of it. There's not like, I mean, aside from, I think like Michael Simon's, you know, barbecue or whatever that's up there. I think he's got like two or three locations, but a city like moves like that. So. Yeah. There's a place up there called ladder Four wine bar. I, I still, if the guys up there are listening, I'm sorry. I still haven't been up there. I'll get up there soon, but, uh, putting out some crazy food. I mean, just like, you know, they're like a true, true wine bar, um, and pouring some, some crazy wines, but, uh, you know, there's other places up there. I've been, I've been there a couple of times. It, it's a great time up there. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, people, you know, get, you know, make fun of and, and you know, talk shit on like, Detroit and like kind of like Cleveland, like the Midwest. But, you know, there's a lot of things like rich histories, you know, that, you know, 70, 80 years ago were, were part of the key culture of, you know, the United States and, and in America and the fabric of it. And I think there's, you know, some of that's coming back a little bit. And I think people are realizing that, you know, you don't have to be in, you know, a tier one a city in order to to try something new or do something new um and you know look, I, I spent nine years in dc i mean it's it's you know it, it's just a different world when you're when you're playing in that in that pool um but there's a lot of fun things happening here and you know for us we're hopefully soon i'll feel comfortable starting really kind of the cycle of like getting the word out there it's not that i don't want to do it it's just that you know you know news cycles are so short now and you know i've had so many you know there's articles released from 2000 19 about this and it's just like nobody's reading that now um so we're doing a lot of stuff um internally you know obviously you know this is going to be you know fun fun piece to get out there we're doing a small film project um here sort of like a i guess call it a mini documentary slash trailer series that we're filming periodically and then hopefully i think in september so we're going to start releasing um you know bits and pieces of and uh we're doing, uh, you know, start doing some photography soon. We're, you know, a lot of it too is just is utilizing this as a creative, creative ground. Um, you know, it, we really want to showcase the narrative of it beyond just kind of what goes on during service and building that sense of story and community and communicating, you know, what what our values are and who we want to be. And you know, really just inviting people in. You know, it, you know, it, you know, it's pretty much standard these days to kind of, you know, break the fourth wall and give people, you know, an insight into what you're doing, your work, and who you are. How you do that, though, is, is I think, you know, a, a more kind of um, complicated and interesting choice. And so I think we want to do a lot, you know, to kind of define our own narrative. And so, you know, I, as much as it feels weird kind of having, you know, cameras, you know, and then doing kind of like interviews, I think it'll be fun. Um, and just a unique way to uh, communicate, you know, about the, 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 the restaurant beyond, you know, like a Instagram post or just, you know, a quick, uh, you know, caption. And yeah, there will be a lot coming soon in terms of hiring and kind of getting the word out there. And we just want to make sure that we're being honest with um, with everybody and ourselves about the timing and then realistic about, you know, if we say, you know, it's basically the point if we're going to say we're opening in this range, like we need to be able to make that realistic and honest. Um, and I think we're, we're very close to being able to do that. All good stuff, man. Super excited. Can't wait to try it. But uh, yeah, thanks, man. This has been great. Uh, it's great catching up. And um you know, hopefully we'll see you down, um, you know, very soon here uh, in the restaurant. Big thanks again to Jordan for coming back on the podcast, giving everybody an update, kind of behind the scenes look at the Aperture, which again, will be opening sometime this October. It's kind of what they're targeting right now. Again, check out their Instagram. Jordan's you can follow. It's J Anthony Brown, all one word, no hyphens or spaces or anything. Also the restaurant at the Aperture Cincy, C-I-N-C-I. They'll be posting a link for the openings that they have where people can go to apply. That'll be all on the website for the Aperture and everything. As they get rolling with the hiring process and are looking for people that are passionate about hospitality and want to be involved in a cool project that uh, is going to be a great work environment. So it's going to be cool to see the Aperture open. I'm really excited to see kind of what it all materializes into. You know, Jordan for a period has been posting very uh, minimalistic parts of the blueprint. So it kind of looks like it's really art, but it's like kind of black and white sections of the blueprint and like the design process. So it's kind of one of those like little Easter egg things that if you've been following along, maybe you've picked up on that. Yeah, I think it's going to be cool. I mean, it's a good location. Walnut Hills area is kind of the next area to grow and be part of kind of the Cincinnati revitalization. So a lot of cool things happen in there. And we're super excited for him to finally get this open as he's been working on it for a long, long time. So coming to fruition, just hopefully he gets to enjoy kind of that friends and family night and is not, um, you know, freaking out or anything or, you know, because a lot of stuff goes wrong. It's kind of the trial and error time. But yeah, it's still something that, you know, once you get to that point, you 
got to take a step back for a couple of minutes and just kind of take it all in because six years up to this point um, is a long time to be working on anything and uh, stopping and starting and stopping and starting. It's Follow us on Instagram too as well. Check out the website, spoonmob.com. Make sure to follow, subscribe to the podcast, whatever player that you use. That is it for this mini update episode, which wound up being a full-length podcast. Uh, we will have another episode for you guys on Thursday. Brand new episode, brand new guest. So get ready for that. We'll talk to you guys then.